get really worried right about this time of year. And my worry comes from the extreme buildup that leads into Christmas. It seems as if the planning stretches further and further and further into November every year. And there's this extreme buildup for what is one day. One day. And what do we do when that day is past? What do we do when that day is gone? What do we do when the presents have been opened and some have been returned? What do we do when the tree comes down? What do we do when that one day, that one celebration is over? And that concerns me. Because there's so much buildup to that. Does that one day even live up to our expectations? How much are we putting in that day and not in Christ? How much is Christ being removed from Christmas and all of that lead up? Because when I look out into the world and I look in uh, the flyers and the internet ads, I don't see Christ. I see stuff. I see material possessions. I see want. A little bit of greed. A little bit of lust for things. All of this buildup, where does that leave us now? What does that mean on December 28th? Because it seems to be used to be Christmas would start maybe in December. Maybe the 1st of December. Everybody had the goal, let's have our tree up December 1. And we'll start Christmas shopping December 1. But that seems like that wasn't good enough for us. We had to back it up a little bit. So now it creeps back into November and you have uh, the Black Friday event. Now I can remember when, when Black Friday was only Friday. But now it seems like, well, Black Friday's all week. It wasn't good enough for us. It wasn't good enough just to have one day of shopping. Now we're shopping on Thanksgiving. And it used to be, well, we'd go out late Thanksgiving evening, and now it's like, well, no, doors are open at 6 o'clock. Oh, and if that's not good enough for you, you can go ahead and shop online during that week, the pre-Black Friday event. So now we don't have, just have Black Friday. We have pre-Black Friday events. And the thing is, where is all that leading up to? It's leading up to disappointment. So what do we do when the celebration's over? What do we do when the ornaments are packed away? Well, lucky for us, we have another celebration to plan, right? We've got New Year's Day three days away. We are right in the middle of two celebrations. We're three days out from Christmas, and we're three days looking forward to New Year's. So that's, I guess, the good news for us is we are in between two celebrations. So what do we do now? Well... Whenever there's a celebration, what do we do? We plan. It's time for us to plan the next celebration. That's who we've become. One celebration behind us, we're looking forward to the next one. Christmas is barely in the rearview mirror, and I guarantee you in a couple weeks you'll see Valentine's stuff out on the shelf. Because we have to be looking forward to the next event. We have to be looking forward to the next celebration. Well, guess what? There's going to be another celebration, and company is coming. And I'm talking about Jesus. We're going to have another party. We're going to have another get-together. We're going to have another celebration, and he is coming. And see, that's the wonderful part. We are still between two celebrations. We are between his first coming and his second coming. And that's the happy part. We can be just who we are and look forward to the next celebration. We can look forward to his coming again. So that's really the celebration of two advents. 
It's two Advents, two comings, two arrivals. So we celebrate the first one. And since we know that he has already came, he has already been born, and he has gone through what he went through for us, we know now we look forward to the next event, the next Advent, the next coming, the next celebration. He is coming back. And he tells us that himself in the, in, in the scriptures. We look at uh, Mark, is it chapter 13? And he tells us himself, he is coming back. It says, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Wow. He himself tells us, get ready. I'm coming back. And we need to prepare for that. We need to prepare. When company is coming, what do we do? We make preparations. We do some things differently. But really what I want to highlight in that verse is look at the difference in his first arrival and his next arrival. The first arrival, humble, weak, meek, poor, in a barn, surrounded by animals, hay. Oh, my goodness. That's the first arrival, and we celebrate that first arrival. Wow, do we, we really celebrate that first arrival. We do it right. We do it big. What about this next arrival? What about the next time he comes with power and glory? We need to celebrate that. We need to get ready for that arrival the way we get ready for the first arrival. We need to make plans. We need to prepare. We need to make a way for him. Think about it like this. What do you do when you are having company? See, Jesus is coming. We're going to have company, folks. That's a fact. What do we do when we have company? Now, I know when we have company, we get things in order. We make plans. If you're me, I make a list. It's usually a pretty long list. So what do we do? What's the first thing we do? We get our house in order. When company is coming over, what do you do? Well, all the things come off the shelves. Everything gets cleaned up. Everything gets dusted. Everything gets put in its right place. Everything gets vacuumed. All the, the, you know, the bedding gets changed. We go through all of that when we are having company. In my house, that's a week-long event. All the kids' rooms get cleaned up. Everything gets put in its proper place, nice and neat and organized. When we're having company, we get busy. Well, guess what, folks? We're having company. It's time to get busy. Are we putting things in order for him? Are we making a list of things we need to do for him? Are we preparing a way for him? Or do we really not think he's coming? Because he's coming. He tells us himself. He's coming back, and he's coming back with authority. We need to start to prepare for him. We need to prepare for him like we prepare for company. He needs to be Finding us, waiting and anticipating for him. And folks, this is not something we need to sit back and wait for. This is not something we can delay on because we need to have a sense of urgency about this. We need to start doing this now. Not tomorrow, not when it's convenient for us, because sometimes if it was convenient for us, we would never get around to doing it. It's not a matter of when it's good for us. Now, we need to be urgent about this. And here's why. We continue to look at the scriptures, and it's going to tell us why we need to have a sense of urgency. We're still looking uh, in, in Mark, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So not only are we going to have a celebration, we're going to have a party. Guess what? It's a surprise party. Ta-da. A surprise party. 
You don't know when it's going to happen. You have no idea when it's going to happen. I could fill this room with scholars, and they could debate for days on when they think it's going to happen. But no matter what they say, no matter what the most educated people say, okay, it doesn't matter because of that right there. No one knows except the Father. I can't even begin to guess, and I won't begin to guess. Could be tomorrow. Hope you're ready. Could be next week, next month, next year. I, I do not know. All I know is we need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be making a way. Because no one knows, not even Jesus. He who has always been, the, the lamb that has always been, the one from, God kept nothing but this. He kept this from him. Even Jesus doesn't know. Can you imagine a father and son? And his father, his father has a secret. And he has his son there sitting right next to him. And you kind of, I just, I pictured God knowing this time and Jesus, his anticipation, his excitement as he's sitting next to his dad. Like, dad, is it time? Can I go now? Think about that. Think about the excitement he must have to gather us all back together because that's what he's going to do. He's going to gather us all back together. He's going to make all things right. He's going to take away all of our heartache, all of our pain, all suffering, all hurting, and all disease. And I'm willing to guess he's very excited about that. And he's sitting right there next to his father saying, can I go now? Think about how we are as children. Can I go? Do I have permission to go now, Dad? Do we have that same excitement about it? Do we have the same excitement about Christmas? Do we have the same excitement that we have about Christmas, about the events leading up to Christmas? Do we have the same excitement about his second coming? Because we should. We should. We have that to look forward to. But again, it's a surprise party. And that's why we cannot wait another day to prepare the way for him. First place we can prepare a way for him. Just like we were talking about, what do we do when company's coming? We get the house in order. Is your house in order? This house right here. Is your house in order? And the first question is, if you have not accepted Jesus, don't wait. You don't know what tomorrow looks like. You don't know what next week looks like. You don't know when he's coming back. Is your house in order? But let's say you have accepted Jesus. Same question still applies. Is your house in order? What kind of condition is he going to come back and find your house in? What is he going to find in your house? Greed, lust, anger, envy, ego, pride. You need to get your house in order. What condition is he going to come back and find your house in? Applies for your physical house as well. If he comes back, what condition is he going to find your physical house in? Is your physical home a welcoming home? What about the other stuff? What condition is he going to find in your home? If he was to go about a search, what's he going to find? We need to get our houses in order. We need to prepare for this company that's coming back. This party, this celebration. 
You know, he's going to be a part of Not only is he going to be a part of it, he's the one bringing it. He's bringing about this celebration. But it's all about preparedness. And he gives us that. He tells us further in the scriptures as we continue to read. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. We each have an assigned task. He has gone away. He has left us somewhat in charge as much as we can be in charge of anything. And he has given us an assigned task. Our assigned task is to make disciples. Clear. Our assigned task is to tell other people about him, is to spread the good news, is to prepare the way for him, to make paths straight for him. It is to make disciples. That is our task. So again, when the owner of the home comes back, is he going to find us doing our assigned task? Is he going to find us busy at work? Is he going to find us standing and watching and waiting for him? How is he going to find us? Is he going to find us working at what we're supposed to be doing? Because we don't know when he's coming back. He has gone away and he has entrusted us. He has given us something to do. Let me put it to you in maybe a different term. And some of you might be able to understand this. Let's continue reading first. Let's continue reading first. I want to read a little bit more of the scriptures here. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. When I see that therefore in there, I back up a step. Whenever I see therefore, I, I go back a step, and I, I read what came before the therefore. Because see, the therefore is an indication that we need to do something. And in this one, it's the therefore is, here is your responsibility. Here is your task. Here is what you're supposed to be doing. And right before that therefore, he was telling us something. It's going to be a mystery. It's going to be a surprise. It's going to be in the middle of the night. It's going to catch you off guard. He tells us all of these things, and then he says, therefore, go and do this. Do it this way. Therefore, be ready. You don't know when he's coming back. Therefore, watch. Therefore, be ready. See, he tells us exactly what he wants us to do. There's an alertness here. That's what we got. It's not a sit down. It's not a standing still. There's an alertness in there. It's watching. It's being ready. It's anticipating. It's eagerness. It's like we cannot wait for him to come back. But we will. But, man, we're excited for him to come back. And if we're excited for him to come back, how is he going to find us? What are we going to be doing while we're waiting? Are we sitting still? It says, do not let him find you sleeping. Now, he may very well come back in the middle of the night. And he may very well find us physically sleeping. But the sleeping we're looking at here is, is he going to find you sleeping on the job when he comes back? Is he going to find you sleeping on the job of making him known to other people? Is he going to find us sleeping on the job of making disciples? Is he going to find us sleeping on the job of loving our neighbor? Is he going to find us sleeping on the job of helping others, of spreading the good news? It says, do not let him find you sleeping. If he comes back, is he going to find us sleeping in our faith? We, maybe we don't attend Bible study and we don't 
attend church with the family, the gathering? Is he going to find us sleeping in our faith? Because our faith is an act of faith. Our faith brings about a change in us. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about change. Our faith should bring about a change in our daily behaviors and our daily activities. Because of him, we should do things differently. We are different because of him. And because we believe that he's coming back, that should bring about a change in how we go about our daily lives. It should bring about that sense of urgency of letting him be known to other people. That is our task. That's what we've been left with. We're entrusted with that. And we got to think about what's that look like. And we got to be honest with ourselves. Are we doing that? Are we really preparing the way for him? Are we paving the way for him? John the Baptist came before Jesus. And he was telling others about the one that is to come. He said, look, he's coming. He's coming. Continuously telling people, you need to make some changes. You need to, you need, you need to change. He's coming. You need to repent. You need to do some things differently. John the Baptist put that right out there before he was coming. Saying, hey, you need to start producing good fruit. It's time for us to produce some good fruit. And that's not to say that we aren't. We're not to judge what is good. We're not to judge our works. The only question that really matters is, is how are we preparing for his return? I want to read a little bit more about how this is going to catch us off guard. All the more reason we need to be alert. We need to be uh, ready. And it's in, we go to Luke now. We're going to read uh, from Luke. It says, be dressed ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Are we dressed ready to serve? There's other scripture that tells us he's going to come back dressed as the servant. He's going to come back dressed like a servant. Are we dressed ready to serve? Are we ready to serve? Now, that doesn't mean when he comes back, we, okay, okay, now I'm ready. I'm, I'm, you're here, I'll, I'll serve. No, 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 no. Are we now, right now, ready to serve? Do we have on our servants clothes right now? Are we ready to serve him in the here and now? Because he's coming back. It says, have your lamps burning. There's kind of a, a twofold there. You've got your lamp. It means you're on watch. You're on guard. You're waiting. You're watching. You're anticipating. You've got your lamp. You imagine the, the lamps they had in his time burning, holding it up. Are you searching for him? Is your lamp lit? Are you searching for others for him? Is your lamp lit? The second part of that is, is your lamp lit? Is your light shining for all men to see? Is it lit? Is it dimming? Is it covered? So let your light shine before all men. So that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father. So we're going to prepare a way. We're going to wait for him. We're going to anticipate him. We're going to be ready for him. And we're going to let our lights shine. And when our lights shine, when we have our, our, our lamps burning brightly for others to see, they're going to say, you know what, there's something different about them. Tell me more. And that's who we are supposed to be. We need to be the kind of people where they say, you know what, tell me more. Tell me more about that church you go to. Tell me more about this Forzenia thing I keep seeing. Tell me more about what you do at the schools. 
everything we do should be to shine a light for him, and we should be the kind of people that others want to know more about, that they want to be around. They want to say there's something different about them. You know what? Jesus was different. We're supposed to be different. Our light should shine so that others may see and glorify him. There's, there's, there's further warning as we read, I think it's Luke uh, 39, we continue just to look at this. All these warnings that were given, these warnings of alertness, these warnings of, of readiness and preparedness, of being on our watch and being on guard. And it only occurred to me this morning that, wow, a lot of this almost sounds uh, uh, like our military. Our military is always to be on guard. That they're never truly ever 100% fully at peace or fully at rest. There's a part of our military that's this active readiness. Okay, if anybody in here has served in the military, you kind of understand what I'm, what I'm going at. Active readiness, active preparedness. You're ready to go on a moment's notice. When you're called, you go, you serve. You're prepared, you're ready, you're waiting, you're watching, you're anticipating, you're going through the motions, you're, you're practicing. You're going through your disciplines like we have disciplines. It's an active readiness. It's an anticipation that we're ready to go on a moment's notice to serve. He says, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. That just seems like good old-fashioned common sense right there. If you know what time your house is getting broken into, you're going to do all you can to prevent it from being broken into. We don't know. And that's what he's telling us, is that we do not know. We do not know. He can't even tell us because he doesn't know. So what is he going to find when he comes back? What is going to be the condition of the house when he comes back. And I know maybe some of you can relate to this story. It's like a child. It's like a teenage child, perhaps, who's been left in charge of their parents' home. The parents go off to work, and it's, it's a Friday night, let's say. The child is entrusted with something. The child is entrusted with the home. The child is given a responsibility, and the child is given a task. What does that child do? The child throws a party. Now, I'm not naming this child, but I know this child. The child throws a party. And it's amazing how we will spread the good news about this particular party. Because that child tells ten people. And guess what? Those ten people tell ten more people. And those ten tell ten more. And next thing you know, you have a house full of people you do not know. And it's busting at the seams. If that's how we treat that kind of party, that's how we need to treat the next kind of party that's going to happen. We need to tell 10 people so those 10 people can tell 10 people about Jesus and about him coming back. We need to start thinking in kingdom terms, not so much in our, our terms. But you go back to this child who is now disobedient, who is now breaking that covenant of trust and responsibility that they were given. Guess what? If that child knows what time the parents are coming home, he or she will clean up. They'll hide their mess. Well, folks, we're not going to be able to hide our mess. Our mess sometimes is very apparent and open. But that child would clean up. They would shoo everybody away. Say, all right, man, parents are coming. Guys got to go. Wow. Think about that. 
only the child knew. And the parent was coming home. But see, I think there's a reason that we don't know when he's coming back. I mean, let's just say that we could go to a calendar and we could circle that date on the calendar. That date which nobody but God knows. But let's say somehow God told us like, hey guys, here's the date. And whatever that date may be, I can't begin to say. I have no idea. But let's just say we knew. Wouldn't we change some of the things we're doing right now if we actually knew the date? If we actually could go to our calendar on our fridge and say, there it is, I've got 92 days. Would we change the way we do some things? I think we would. I think if we knew in 92 days he's coming back, if we knew in 92 days there's going to be a celebration, if we knew there was going to be a party in 92 days, we would do like we do for every other celebration, we do like we do for every other party and every other gathering, we would get busy. But how come we're not doing that for him? Because we can be busier, and that's not to say that we're not doing some things. We can do more. We can do more. We should do more to prepare for him. But I think if we actually knew, he would find us doing things very differently than we currently do things. I think he would come back and he would see us all just getting along so perfectly, speaking so nice about each other, having Bible studies at everybody's houses every day, mowing each other's lawn, taking care of each other's kids. He would find us in a very different mode of behavior than maybe we currently are because we know he would find our house in order he would find everything put in its place everything exactly where it should be nice and tidy and neat and organized but we don't know and folks that is the reality of it we we do not know but what should be the reality of it is all of those things I just talked about, all of those things I just mentioned are things that we should be doing now regardless of if we know or not. We should do things differently in the here and now because we know he's coming back. We have that knowledge. We have that truth. We have that fact. And that knowledge and truth and fact should bring about a change in the here and now for us. We need to make a way for him. What if it is tomorrow? How many of you know someone who's unsaved? You don't have to raise your hands. I do. I do. Does it weigh on our heart the way it should? Does it break our heart the way it breaks his? We all know people who have yet to come to know him. How many of us know someone struggling with something? Addiction? Maybe some other heartbreaking circumstances have occurred in their life this year. Loss? Pain? Suffering? What about them? Jesus can make a difference in their lives. But he wants to use us to do that. He wants to use us to make a difference in their lives. He wants us to tell others about him. And not just about the here and now, it's 
both. It's the here and now and what is to come. He wants to tell them, I'm going to comfort them here and now, and I'm going to make all of that go away when he comes back. We need to be busy for the kingdom. We need to be busy preparing a way for him, letting him be known to other people. So how do we do this? And hopefully this isn't a totally new concept, but I do kind of want to get us guided in the right path. There are some things that we can do together, individually, corporately, as a family. There are things that we can do to begin to prepare the way for him. We want to prepare, maybe prepare our hearts. Again, are we prepared for service? Prepare ourselves. So I want to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Rejoice always. If we rejoice always, people are definitely going to think we're different. They're definitely going to think we're weird. They're definitely going to want to know more about what we're rejoicing about. They're going to look at us and say, man, why is that person so happy? They're going to think we're crazy. They're going to think we are just odd if we rejoice always. This is kind of, I'm going to say, my, my goal. I, I want to rejoice always. I want this to be the year where just everything is about joy. That every part of ministry is about joy. Even the administrative task, it's all about joy. That the details don't get me down. That it's like, man, I just want to have joy in it. I want other people to see my joy. Because they'll feed off of that. If people see someone having joy in doing something, they're going to want to be a part of that. They're going to want to know more about that. And they're going to want to come into that and say, I, I want to do that too. We had a great time, I think, painting over at Warner. That was a joyous time, even though we were working. And painting's not always the funnest job in the world. But there was joy in it. And we came back the next week and we had more help. We had different help. Because we can have joy in what we're doing. And other people saw that. There are people from the schools that see that. Okay. That is part of our witness. That is a part of that lamp shining as we go out into this community. If we just have joy in everything that we do, if we're always rejoicing, if we take the joy from this season, if you will, this season, this period of time, okay, this season of joy, as they call it, shouldn't every part of the year, every day of the year, every month of the year be a season of joy for us? Us who believe, us who have hope, who have faith, who know he's coming back, shouldn't that cause us to have joy in the here and now? We should always be joy. We should rejoice always. That he is coming back should change us right now, and this is part of that change. We're going to rejoice always. Pray continually. And this doesn't mean that we're constantly at the altar. We're constantly on our knees. Pray without ceasing, I've also read it as. We're in a constant conversation with God. Prayer is communication with God. That's what prayer is. Prayer is communication with our Father. So when we talk about praying continuously or praying without ceasing, that we are in a constant conversation with God. That we're talking to Him. That we're seeking His will for our life that we're seeking from him the power to follow his will. We're seeking him for wisdom and guidance and in times comfort. We're just in a constant prayer with him. Just, just having a conversation with him. The more we talk with him, the more we understand his will, the more we understand as much as we can 
what he wants us to do, the more we can do it. If I don't know what he wants me to do, how can I possibly do it? If I'm not communicating with him, if I'm not reading his word, how can I possibly do what it is he wants me to do? Unless I'm asking him. Unless I'm saying, Father, what would you have me do? What is it you want me to do? In every circumstance, in every situation, in every part of our life, praying continuously to know his will for the guidance and the wisdom and the power, the strength to carry that out. So we're going to be happy always. And we're going to be praying always. So now we're walking around and we're, we're crazy happy and we're talking a lot. People are definitely going to think we're different. They're definitely going to think we're odd. But it's okay. I've said many a times, if you see me driving down the highway, you probably think something is very wrong with me. Because when I'm in my car and there's no kids, and there's no wife, and there's no music, and there's nothing there. He has my attention. He has my full attention. And it's, it's a daily thing. People probably see me, tears rolling down my face. They think, what's wrong with that guy? Something's wrong with him. We should check on him. But man, it's just that, that constant conversation God, man, I want to be different. I want to be different for him. I want to be different because of him. All of those things. That constant conversation. And sometimes, man, just think about it. Those conversations can be very personal. And it's in those moments of seeking him out and talking to him. Just saying, man, God, I have no clue what you want me to do here, but okay, I'll do it. Or God, I don't understand how I'm going to do it, but okay, I'll do it. God, thank you for knowing better than I knew. Thank you for making that clear to me because I was about to really make a mistake there. I was really about to mess up a really good situation. Rejoicing always, seeking him continuously, constant conversation with him. This is how we're going to start to prepare a way. This is how we're going to make a difference right here. And then the third thing, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's kind of a, kind of a tough one, isn't it? Because we find ourselves in some bad circumstances. We find friends in bad circumstances. We find loved ones in some really tough situations. Giving thanks in all circumstances. If I just kind of share a personal story, what this looks like in my life, give thanks in all circumstances. That means giving thanks even when things are going bad. Giving thanks even when things are a little bit rough. Giving thanks when, when things are tough and things hurt. We have, a, we have a foster child that we've been raising since she was two days old. Came to me about five pounds. Little bitty, I mean five pounds in these big hands, you can see. Little bitty thing. Been raising her as our own since she was two days old. The time has now come, some 17 months later, for her to go and live with her grandmother. Okay, that is the system 
that is what we have agreed to work with, yeah, that, that hurts more than I will admit to words in here. Probably more hurts more than I admit to words most any place. But in that, there's an opportunity, opportunity for me to respond to God and say, God, this hurts. This is awful. This is heartbreaking. This, this is just rough. God, thank you for giving me a blessing that I could have never have possibly imagined. Because he did. God, thank you for showing me that there was something out there for me that I hadn't even dared to dream of, God. Thank you for that. See, it's to change our way of thinking a little bit. If we're going to make a difference for the kingdom, if we're going to make a difference in people's lives, we got to change our way of thinking a little bit. And we got to get the focus off of us and onto them and onto him who is coming. We can indeed give thanks in all circumstances. We can give thanks when times are rough. Because he is going to get us through that, if nothing more than that. He may not get us out of it, but he will certainly get us through it. He will see us through it. And it may not make sense to us. It may never, ever make sense to us. But guess what? When he comes back again, we're not going to care anymore. That which we were worried with, that which we had anxiety over and heartache over, it won't matter when he comes back. And we're having this new celebration. And we're having this new party. Give thanks in all circumstances. I am thankful to God for giving me the opportunity to experience that 17 months. I would be a fool not to see his blessing in that situation. For giving me that which, oh, I had no clue otherwise. What a, what a tremendous blessing. But these are just three things that I think can kind of get us started as we look at his return. I want to celebrate his return the same way we celebrate Christmas, with lots of preparedness, with lots of, wow, celebration, with lots of, of joy. All of those things to get wrapped up in six weeks, it seems like, and now it's gone. It's gone. It's like, puff, it just kind of goes away. I went out to Walmart on Sunday, and people are buying stuff for next year. I'm like, is that what this has become? The constant accumulation of things? Wow. Don't store up for yourself treasures here. Don't do that. 